Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hi there and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it with Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay and me, Hayley McQueen. Yes, that is right. This is episode six. Can you believe it? The weeks are just flying by. The goals are flying in as well. I'm very pleased to say we are brought to you by Continental Tyres. A very, very uh, good afternoon, girl. Yes, it's afternoon for us. Whatever time it is that you're listening to this, um, good morning, good evening. Uh, for those insomniacs out there, like Kate will say, uh, good middle of the night. I'd like to think that people listen to us in the small hours of the morning when everything's still and calm, yet three batty broadcasters decide to give you their views on the week's football. OK, so what are our views? Well, as ever, we'll have Sean Thorne, who'll bring us Twitter topic of the week, and Twitter has been busy uh, yet again. We'll be chatting ones that got away. Manchester United, they might have some big-name signings setting alight the Premier League, <coughs> barring the Leicester game, of course. <laughs> Uh, last weekend but Van Hal let go of some talent Welbeck gone Hernandez as well mm. Chitarito with two wonder goals for Real Madrid at the weekend so we're going to pick a player or two that this year was let go by their club that have gone on to make a really quick or positive or even surprising impact elsewhere perhaps Lindsay Hooper you would save your receipts what's this phrase again when you send presents back that you don't want or oh. that you, you would like back again that you've bought yourself well, you should know this, Haley. Gift receipt needed. That's it. Gift receipt needed. Right. Our third topic. Amen. Not our men, but literally, <laughs> amen. Yes. This week, Kieran Richardson revealed, after a career in football, in his words, he's probably going to go into the church. He said, "Obviously, I'm a long way off, but afterwards, I just want to do things for God." So great that he's managed to turn a career around. He said he was. Um, loving girls and money and fame for too many years. And now he's turned to God. He's, he's turned his life around. So turning a turbulent life on its head. Mm. 
So we're going to give you some examples of other footballers whose religion plays a really big part of their lives. Maybe they've been turned around or maybe the religion is causing a bit of problems at the club that they're at or maybe it's helping benefit others around the world. Well, we'll have our regular contributor to round up all the Women's Super League with Sue Smith uh, bringing us the WSL report. But we're going to start with Do in Simpson style, disastrous Come defeat. On, you better Homer Simpson than that. Don't. Go on, Kate. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't. That's it. That's actually quite good. Whilst you're drinking Duff beer. So Manchester United, I wasn't going to bring it up, but as a Manchester United fan, I'm going to give it to you. Brilliantly entertaining match at the weekend. Eight goals, but a calamitous defeat to newly promoted side Leicester City. Oh, my goodness. It was just embarrassing for Manchester United fans, but others were caught laughing at it. Yes, they were. So I'm going to ask you to give me an example or two of other teams from any league across Europe this season who've suffered embarrassing defeats. And we're going to start with Lindsay Hooper. If you go back over past podcasts, you may recall that I tipped before this season started that Sheffield United would run away with League One. Nigel Clough doing wonders there, bringing through great players. Um, It's not quite gone that way at Sheffield United. And the result at the weekend was Swindon 5, Sheffield United 2. Two, And so I'm picking out that as one of my shock results. Uh, Michael Smith scored twice for Swindon. Um, I have to say that it seemed that in the middle of the park where where, uh, Sheffield United were having all their trouble. Now, they did let go and they had um, Harry Maguire who left the club um, and they haven't really filled that gap left behind by him. So I think it's the the centre-half department, like many clubs out there, Hayley McQueen, needing good centre-halves. But... All in all, you don't expect to let five goals in. Yes, they were away from home. So I'll, I, I'm not saying that losing was a complete surprise to me, but 5-2, I don't think that's good enough. And Nigel Clough needs to pull his socks up mm. and some of the players as well. <laughs> and for you, Kate, who have you gone for? Well, I've also gone for a League One result this weekend. It was a very lively weekend in the lower leagues. Uh, MK Dons 6, Crew 1. Crew having an absolute nightmare. Now, MK Dons are, I think, second in the table, Crew at the bottom. So at face value, this doesn't look terribly out of context, but... Crew did let in six goals. They only scored one because it was an own goal. So that makes things even worse. Not only that, MK Dons had lost their last league game and Crew had managed to get four points out of the last two games. So in context, things were looking up for Crew. And those four points, I think, are the only four points that they've managed all season. But in context, things looking good. Until, of course, they met at the weekend. Deli Alley scored a hat-trick for MK Dons, a completely uh, hammered Crew. Uh, In fact, he's a great player to watch out for, 18 years old. He was named Football League's Young Player of the Month for August. What about Crew? What was Crew's reaction? Mm-hmm. Well, poor beleaguered Crew boss Steve Davis just simply said after the game, we have been battered. Maybe I'm going with Kate on that one. <laughs> just simply because of Manchester United and Leicester just trying to bring it back. But yeah, the, the Man United result, it was just astonishing. It's the first time that United have lost a game when they were leading by two goals at least. It was just quite astounding. Really embarrassing. Uh, didn't enjoy it one bit. Uh, was enjoying it for quite a while. Obviously until Leicester kind of sparked this 
unbelievable comeback. My head was just in my hands, not very happy at all. Well, I have got another one, and it also means that I can amply give a plug to our new Euro shows. We've got a Euro preview show every match week and a Euro review show, um, all brought to you with HTC. So hopefully you've been having a download and a listen of those. In the last Euro show, I mentioned Wolfsburg, and I picked them out as a team that had underwhelmed me in the in the Europa League against Everton. Uh, well, they went on to pick themselves up from that result because that's the last result as they went into their league game in Bundesliga. Um, and they ended up really turning it around. Um, they ended up beating Bayer Leverkusen 4-1. So what a turnaround. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez got a brace for Wolfsburg. Uh, it was their first league win of the season as well. Um, so they haven't been going that great in the league, but they've picked up all three points there. Rodriguez really was the man of the match. Uh, Switzerland's recently crowned footballer of the year as well. It's great to see that he's going so well at the moment. Um, I just thought it was interesting that after Everton um, put four goals past them, they go and put four goals past their next opposition um, in league football. So a mention for Wolfsburg. Well, mine's a team that suddenly come into form from where I don't know, but they've scored 13 goals in the last two games in the Champions League and La Liga. It's Real Madrid. They had a terrible start to the season and suffered some shocking, embarrassing defeats for a side that have world-class talent. Uh, the likes of Ronaldo, Rodriguez, Bale and now Hernandez, who are all scoring goals for fun. Um, I mentioned those two games. Basel in the Champions League, brilliant, brilliant win there with beautiful goals of Modric linking up really nicely with Benzema and Ronaldo as well. It really was a fantastic game to watch, some beautiful football, uh, as was the game that followed that up as well. You'd think maybe they'd be tired a midweek game in the Champions League, then having to take on Deportivo La Coruña, having the weekend before faced Atletico Madrid in a derby, losing that one. But no, they beat Deportivo 8 Two, but I just don't understand how a side who can go on and do this started a season so badly. They lost the Madrid derby in really bad fashion as well. And they also lost against Real Sociedad 4-2. They conceded four goals. So I'm thinking the team is going to just go on from here on and it's just going to be one of those pre-season blips. But who would believe this Real Madrid side who have managed now to score 13 goals in two games could have conceded so many and done so badly at the start of this season. There's a magician in there pulling some strings. <laughs> I'll give you another one of mine. Uh, England women. Uh, they're doing fantastically well. A lot, a lot better than England men, it has to be said. <laughs> They've qualified for Canada 2015 in sensational style. They've not dropped a point, have they? No. I don't think. I'm checking with Lindsay no. Hooper here. Um, now, one of the results that really sums up a shock result, um, and it was only a friendly, but it's a good marker of where the team are, was that 4-0 win against Sweden back in August. A great result for England women. Of course, they've had others like the 10-0 win against Montenegro, all, all part of their qualification campaign, beating Wales as well. But this particular result was such a surprise because Swedish women's football, known for being very, very strong, I don't think they've ever dropped below sixth in the oh. world rankings. No, and of course, Sweden hosted the, the last Euro Championships um, in terms of professional setup. Like you say, Kate, there's the USA, there's Germany, and then there's Sweden that are up there. Um, England trying to get on that map as well in terms of having a really good professional league, which is going really well. The FAWSL, by the way, now two points between the top three teams. I'm sure Sue Smith is going to fill mm -hmm. us in on that. 
So Sweden should really be enjoying the fruits of their labour working up to the last World Cup. Instead, they floundered against England. Great performance from Karen Carney, who scored a couple of goals. Debutante Frank Kirby, very exciting players coming through in Mark Sampson's England team at the moment. She's really creative, actually, Fran, a really good player. What it did is it basically um, saw them win against Sweden, who are fifth in the world rankings. We've gone up to seventh in the world rankings now. Um, so, yeah, very, very convincing by England. And I would call that a shock result. Mm. Definitely. Well, were there any shock results in the WSL? We can head to uh, Sue Smith, who can bring us a full roundup on that. And if you want to know a little bit more and you want to hear more from Sue or even read more, you can go to the offsiderulepodcast.com on our website. You can also follow us on Twitter at offsiderulepod. If you want to watch us as well, we have our own YouTube channel, the Offside Rule TV via YouTube. Um, hopefully you're listening either via iTunes or audio, but if you can't get to one, you've always got the other. You can read plenty more all about women's football and other things besides uh, on our website. But let's head to Sue Smith for that WSL roundup. Hi guys, here's my weekly update of women's football. League action was back this weekend and there was some very interesting results mixed in with a little bit of controversy as well. I'll start with the Saturday night game, which was Chelsea, who played Notts County, both at different ends of the table. Notts County needing the win to avoid relegation, and Chelsea obviously needing the points to keep their title hopes alive. The game ended 1-0 to Notts County, Jess Clark with a headed goal just five minutes before half-time. Chelsea did create a lot of chances in that game to equalise, but Notts County remained resolute, which they have done all the way through the season. Very difficult to break down in defence. So it's a great win for Notts County and obviously helps them in their, their battle against relegation. The big game on Sunday that everyone was looking forward to was the Liverpool against Birmingham tie. Two teams hoping to win the title. This game had everything, spectacular goals and, like I said earlier, a little bit of controversy, which always keeps us interested, doesn't it? Amanda da Costa actually scored the opener for Liverpool and then Blues looked to have rescued a point when Hannah Perikopoulos equalised on the 87th minute. It was a fantastic strike from her and you could see Birmingham thought they'd, they'd got the draw. No, not when you got Farrah Williams on the pitch. Liverpool obviously understood how important this game was and it was an individual bit of brilliance from Farrah who literally straight from the kickoff saw the goalkeeper off the line and scored, scored the winner. So 2-1. But this is where the controversy comes in. The referee hadn't actually blown his whistle or signalled for kickoff. So the Birmingham players weren't actually quite ready for the strike. So they've obviously appealed against that. The official has said sorry and that he didn't signal so but it ended in a in a 2-1 win to, to Liverpool so this means that Liverpool actually move into second place that's just one point behind Chelsea and Birmingham drops a third after that game still loads to play for and the title race is, is still on as far as I'm concerned elsewhere in the league Everton are now seven points from safety they got beat 3-0 to rivals Man City and doesn't help when former Toffees scored as well. Jill Scott and Tony Duggan both got on the score sheet for, for Man City. So good result for them. Obviously, Everton are, are really struggling now. OK, moving on to Arsenal. Um, they come. They, they made a, a fine comeback against Bristol Academy. Bristol were 2-0 up. And then who else came on but Kelly Smith? And she just showed that she's still a class act and scored a hat-trick, and the game finished 4-3. So that would have been a fantastic game to watch, um, and what a comeback for Arsenal. Okay, just really quickly on to WSL2. 
for me, looks like Sunderland the set for promotion. Um, they beat Yeovil 2-1 away, which I thought was going to be a, a tricky tie for them. So good result for them. We actually play Sunderland in the, the next league game, which won't be this weekend. It'll be the, the following weekend, which I'm sure will, will be a good competitive game, as, as they always are. So that's all for now from me. Um, see you all again next week. Hi, I'm Eddie Jenkins from TalkSport. Yeah, and I'm Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. And you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much, Sue. And on to our next topic, ladies. The ones that got away. Gift receipt needed. (laughs) Okay. Danny Welbeck and Javi Hernandez leaving Manchester United and setting things alight elsewhere. Maybe not so much Hernandez, but I just wanted to use him in there as another example of a player who has gone on and been given a chance. And my goodness, hasn't Danny Welbeck taken his chance? Impressing for England, uh, well, scoring for Arsenal, a debut goal. And really, Manchester United fans thinking, oh gosh, he was the kid that came up through the ranks that we were so desperate to hold on to. And look, he's gone and look what he's doing elsewhere. Dope. Yeah, not only scoring a goal, but also getting a vital assist for the opener with Ozil. I mean, it was his pass that that created that. It was. So we're going to pick another player that was uh, let go this year by their club. They've gone on to make a quick, positive or surprising impact uh, elsewhere. And it's good to see them doing well. Kate? All right. Well, I know West Ham's going to come up more than once because I've had a little chit chat to Miss Hoops before this. So I'm going to go with the first uh, West Ham player that we're going to mention in this section, Enna Valencia. Now, not mine have scored all the goals, but the one goal he has scored was sensational against Hull City a couple of weekends ago. But what really stands out about him after what has to be said, a slow start for him in that West Ham team is that he's contributing to games a lot more he's settling in and at 12 million pounds he came over from a Mexican side Pachuca he was only with them for a very short amount of time but they were willing to let him go and it's West Ham's game 12 million pounds he came over to West Ham for and it was risk he was an Ecuador player we saw him play really well during the World Cup and in the lead up to the World Cup Hayley when you were out at Miami you would have seen him um, play against us And although he had a slow start for West Ham, he has come into form in true style. And I think he's made a surprising impact in terms of the fact that he was a risk coming from an unknown club, coming from a smaller club and a nation where, okay, we've seen a few Ecuadorian players come into the Premier League, but they've always had mixed success. Um, I'm going to pick, I'm going to balance the books with Kate Borsay where West Ham are concerned because you've gone for a West Ham player coming in and I'm going to go for a West Ham player going out. So mine would be Mo Diarmi in midfield. £3.5 million Hall paid for him. West Ham, uh, I would love to say reluctantly let him go, but they didn't. Big Sam very um, very up for, for passing the player on. Um, a parting shot as well from Mo Diarmi um, saying that he would wish he'd left at West Ham a long time earlier. I interviewed him post-match after his debut um, against against his former club um, at the KC Stadium, uh, where he scored, and he was grinning from ear to ear. So two goals in two starts for Modi Army, and I think he could be a real asset to Hull City this season. Um, something that West Ham fans will have in the back of their minds, I'm sure, when they're looking for those key goals from midfield. Uh, they have got some great acquisitions like the player that that Kate was just talking about Enna Valencia um Coyote lots of different Zarate uh, loads and loads of, of flair players and I, and I do think West Ham will be fine this season but Mo Diarmi I still think is a big miss and a little bit of a void do you think that those West Ham fans who are slating Sam Allardyce last season for the long ball football for the boring football without any creativity and any flair are starting to come around to Allardyce's way of thinking 
I, I think there will be some that will always have an opinion about Sam Allardyce and that that's the way he plays. I mean, you can change, Sam Allardyce will change slightly, but he's not going to suddenly turn um, from coffee into tea. It's just not his way. <laughs> I'm saying that looking at our mugs on the side. Um, that was why that analogy came in. But yeah, he he's not going to suddenly change completely. He has got, his his view will always be, it's better not to lose than to win in emphatic style. That is the way that Sam Allardyce thinks. But I do think with some of the players that he's brought in, inevitably there will be more attack and there will be more goals and it might appease some or a section of the supporters. Just a really quick one from me then, just uh, a nod to Ashley Cole, another Chelsea player who's mm. uh, gone on to do great things elsewhere, just like Lampard, having been let go from his club. Um, he's made three Serie A starts for Roma. He's obviously playing out there on Italy and has been involved uh, very much in making sure that they have made sure they've got three points in every single game. The winning side on every occasion. He's 33-year-old. He left maybe thinking, oh, that's it. He's had the end of his days. He could maybe go and play for LA Galaxy or another side in the MLS. But no, he decided he wanted to make the move, play for Roma and play competitively. And that's what he's been doing. Rudy Garcia's team has now beaten uh, Cagliari. Empoli and Fiorentina without conceding a goal. He was involved as well uh, in making sure that the second game um, of his stint at Roma, they kept a clean sheet. Uh, defensively, he was the best player in the whole of Serie A and made team of the week and only his second start. So I think big congratulations for him for going and, and being brave and making the move because not enough English players do go and decide to play football. They do it when it's too late. We thought it might be too late for Ashley Cole, but it wasn't. Bit too late for Chelsea to ask him to come back. Now, maybe Manchester United could have had Ashley Cole at left back because they need someone like him in defence. So there you have it. We'll head on to topic three very shortly. But uh, next, let's get our Twitter topic of the week from Sean Thorne. Over to you, Sean. Twitter topic of the week. So this week's Twitter topic of the week was inspired by uh, Aston Villa fan Michael Field, who sent a tweet uh, to Christian Benteke saying he was feeling safe putting his little villain to bed uh, with Christian Benteke watching over him. It wasn't literally watching over him. It was actually just a big uh, Christian Benteke poster, which was then retweeted by Christian Benteke himself. So we've asked you on this fine week to tell us which players' posters did you have, or, you know, currently still have, on your walls? Now, Ellie Yates, she's tweeted us saying uh, she's got Kelly Smith and Karen Carney, definitely her biggest inspirations in football. Uh, Patrick Luffery, uh, he's gone for Henrik Larsson and Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Mina, she's gone big on this one. Uh, she's got one of herself in her Milan jersey, just casually posing with some footballers. You know, you might not have heard of them. Just, you know, Maldini, Nesta and Kaka. I mean, old school selfies on the wall with some huge superstars. Fair play to you, Mina. Uh, Rebecca Coles has gone for James Beatty. He was the only football poster to make uh, the prestige Prestigious honour of being on Rebecca's wall. Uh, Sue Handley uh, went for Mark Hughes, one of the finest strikers she's ever seen at United. And her 13-year-old self was completely besotted. I had some weird ones on my wall because despite having little to no affiliation to Tottenham Hotspur, I had Teddy Sheringham and Ian Walker. Uh, who were joined by a signed poster of Ryan Giggs after meeting him at a football sticker swap shop at Villa Park in 1997. So that's how much of a cool kid I was. And slightly more understandably, we're all joined by Bristol City legend Sean Goer. Now, that's all for Twitter Topic of the Week this week. Cheers for all your tweets. I'll be back next week. I'll hand you back to the girls. 
Oh, thanks for that, Sean. Nostalgically looking back, trying to remember who I had up on my wall on a poster. And if it wasn't just New Kids on the Block or Nirvana, I think it was Ryan Giggs. In fact, I think my sister had a Ryan Giggs poster over her half of the room because we shared with a bit of masking tape, you know, carefully down the middle. But I think I didn't mind that particular poster of hers as my younger sister up there. I love Ryan Giggs too, but I actually had Gary Speed on my wall. I used to love Gary Speed. Um, but equally, I had, of course, Steve Bull and Andy Mutch. Oh, brilliant. It might surprise you, Lindsay Hooper, to know that in my family, my brother started out as a Wolves supporter. <gasps> no! How has this not come up before? I've just dropped my phone in shock on your foot. <laughs> so I remember my brother's room having a picture on, on his wardrobe where he used to stick all his posters. He used to have a Wolves poster, but it was quickly taken down in favour of Manchester United, Hayley oh, McQueen. So there's uh, our link. Well, yes, perfect. I mean, this is this is very fateful, isn't it? You know, started out with one uh, broadcaster's preference. We've ended with another broadcaster's preference. Um, I, of course, was a Liverpool fan. I've always loved Jamie Redknapp. But back in the back in the day, when I would follow England as a youngster, probably more than Liverpool, if I'm honest, I came to follow Liverpool really from about 16 onwards. Graham Lasseau. Oh. I really used to like Graham Lasseau. He was a cutie, wasn't he, actually? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird looking at them now. I think he used to fancy you. <laughs> and um, Italia 90, oh. Gaza. Got to have the picture of Gaza crying. It just touched my feminine side oh. all those years ago. My little brother had Ali McCoyce, but for different reasons, just because he liked him, obviously, as a footballer, whereas me and my sister quite fancied him, and Mark Haley as well. Mm. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Yeah. Okay, and our final topic... Holy moly. Now, this really surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't, and maybe it's just me being quite naive, but Kieran Richardson, kind of known as a bit of a bad boy in football, he admitted himself that for many years the money and the fame led him to being slightly more interested in nightclubbing, drinking and womanising than actually his football career. He's now born again Christian and said that God has saved his life. So I want an example or two of other footballers whose religion has played a big part in their lives. So Richardson has admitted that you know he's not going to go into coaching or football or whatever afterwards. He said afterwards, I just want to do things for God or whatever it takes um, me into. If that takes me into my own ministry or going out there to be a missionary, I'm all for it. Well, you know, I interviewed Kieran Richardson last year and I wasn't expecting the whole God thing to come up, but it did. It dropped into one of his answers and he actively brought it into the interview. It wasn't like I was against talking about it. It's just it wasn't going to be something on my agenda. He's got really quite strident opinions about it and he would be someone that I would say would give his whole life to God um, and often put God up on a certain pedestal above other things. And I remember as a journalist being quite taken aback and actually I have to say a little bit uncomfortable about where he rated his religion because it's unfamiliar to me. I'm not accusing him of being right or wrong, but it just was kind of out of my comfort zone, I suppose. Well, I'm going to go straight in with one that my granddad gave me. He used to tell me about Peter Knowles of Wolves and the fact that he had such potential. He was a really fast winger, um, a a player that lots of people in the area were talking about. And back then, of course, um, the local newspapers were dedicated to the up-and-coming footballers and he was getting a lot of column inches. But in 1969, he gave up football. He gave up Wolves, who were a very good team in the 60s and 70s and 50s um, and to become a Jehovah's Witness. So uh, through all of that little period of his life, he was he was trying to weigh up what he wanted to do. He ended up saying, actually, I'm going to bow out. But Wolves were so intent on trying to keep him that they actually kept the registration open for him to be still be a player up until the early 1980s. They still had hope that he'd return, but he didn't. He gave it all up. 
Well, that, Lindsay, was a player who gave up football and turned to God. This is a footballer who, once his career had finished, when he could have actually gone in and been a pundit, he was working for the BBC and actually worked uh, really heavily in the Euro 2008 finals as well, was Gavin Peacock, former Chelsea player and Newcastle midfielder as well, actually emigrated to Canada a few years ago to begin a master's degree or master's course in divinity at Ambrose uh, Seminary. I was really surprised at this. Um, he was deciding whether he was actually going to become a vicar minister or a pastor at the end of his studies. Um, a few years ago, he'd been studying for a BA in theology at a college in Cambridge. So very intelligent, but very much wanted to get into that. But he, he was a, a regular on Football Focus, Match of the Day 2 as well. Uh, a really highly thought of TV pundit and could have made his name there and made a lot of money. But instead, he said, since the age of 19... He knew that he wanted to go out and, and give his life to God and work in the church, he said, and combined his religious studies during his football career so much so that when he was actually working at Queen's Park Rangers, he hosted Bible study groups for other footballers um, and combined punditry duties as well uh, with working on songs of praise. So he managed to actually do them both. Yeah, so he has a, a new life away from football, dedicating his time to church. He's prolific on Twitter, not so much with the football opinion, but lots of tweets about um, kind of religious things. He's now living in Calgary and very happy indeed and, and really wants to make other young footballers see that there's other things in life that they can be doing uh, rather than spending money on material things. Well, as we're recording in my flat, ladies, you can see my bookshelf uh, full of sports books, a lot of football um, autobiographies. And I have to say, I was reading one in particular, an autobiography that came out not so long ago. And I was thinking, there's religion in this because I feel like I'm being preached at. Um, so I think this footballer is his own religion. In fact, as you read, if anybody else has read the mighty Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, his autobi autobiography. I am Zlatan, isn't it? It is, I am Zlatan. Um, and you read it and there is this tone and it feels like there's someone almighty talking to me right now. There's someone who knows better. There's someone with a divine right. Now on the football pitch, he has got that divine right. Um, he does go on even to mention in his book, um, being, um, being like God, Zlatan is God is how he, he puts it. Now, I know there's a lot of people, especially in a religious section, that are going to be like, no, he isn't. And I agree with you, he isn't. But Zlatan believes it. I think it's one of those things, you know, when you uh, fill in a form and you put, have you got your own religion? I'm sure he just puts Zlatan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does. Um, it, it is an interesting tale, I have to say, uh, the whole autobiography, if you haven't read it. But you will feel like you're being preached at. You will feel like Zlatan Ibrahimovic thinks that he is a god. Um, someone needs to put him in his place. Uh, but on the pitch, he does do all the things right, doesn't he, really, most of the time? Although he's not scoring as many this season. Mm. He does say, though, I am, and I've seen this as a quote, God's gift to women. No, I don't think so, Zlatan. I do not think so. It's a fine line between uh, ego and preaching sometimes, isn't there, if I'm to say something quite controversial. I always, well, it always tickles me whenever um, uh, people of a religious nature, preachers, priests, etc., use football within their religious analogies. I always think it's kind of half half a mixture of cute and half a mixture of trying to appeal to the audience too much. And there's a lovely one that I've got up here on the internet from the Reverend Rob Marshall, who's an Anglican priest, and he's he's written a, a very lovely sermon here, praising Arsene Wenger. Someone out there really likes him. Uh, praising Arsene Wenger for, for uh, keeping his cool. This is back in 2012 when uh, there was a lot of disruptive... 
stuff going on between Chelsea and Manchester United. But he says, you know, Wenger's advice is sound to wait for tempers to cool and then discuss the matter in a friendly way in private. So there you go. Uh, religion jumping on the back of football oh. there. Well, thank you very much, ladies, for another week of the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much. I think this is the time where we should say amen. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the new Euro show as well, guys. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks off that, but the next UEFA Champions League and Europa League will be covered by us in preview and review style with the Offside Rule Euro show. And if that isn't enough, you can go to YouTube and find us on the Offside Rule TV. You can follow us on Twitter, of course, if you're at work and you can't manage to sneak the headphones in and have a listen. We'll provide you with all the information you need to know about what's happening in the world of football. And you can go to the offsiderulepodcast.com and have a look at the various blogs and articles that we have on our site. And of course, there's good old fashioned Facebook, which is still going strong. (laughs) Just simply the Offside Rule. Go and have a like, go and have a read. But for now, good night. Goodbye, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. I'll end it how we began. The female take on football.